0: This is the Maverick Minister, Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hello, and welcome to the Maverick Minister podcast my name is Mike Davis, and I am your host for this series. These podcasts are meant to present and discuss spiritual ideas and concepts without the constraints of institutional religion or jaw-clenching seriousness. That doesn't mean spirituality should never be taken seriously, but there is another way of considering God, human relationships, and the nitty-gritty of life, which cuts through negativity, self-importance, and religious rules and regulations. And so, In these podcasts, I'll talk about spiritual and religious topics, some in a lighter and more entertaining fashion, and others with all of the seriousness that seems appropriate. I hope that you will be enlightened, enriched, encouraged, edified, and maybe even entertained during our time together. I want to start this series with a confession. You see, I tend to have a lot of what could be called deranged thoughts, especially when it comes to spirituality and religion. Now, when I say deranged, I don't mean that they're perverse or dangerous except maybe to traditional theology and a number of the doctrines of various religious institutions. What I do mean is that they are an unusual, an eccentric way of looking at God and how we as human beings tend to relate to God. By the way, None of us know anything about God for sure, anyway, so that kind of leaves that whole business up for grabs. Take the Bible, for instance. Traditional Christian theology asserts that the spiritual writings in the books included in the Bible are the product of divine inspiration, and they contain the witness, the record, and the stories of how people have experienced a relationship with God throughout a large segment of human history. Now, I have no quarrel with that belief, and in fact, I ascribe to it personally. But when I read the text of the Bible, I start having these deranged thoughts about what might be going on in the celestial mind of God and in the commonplace minds of the people who encountered God in those writings and stories. So I've decided that I would share some of my thoughts with you in this podcast format. And maybe, even though I do not in any way claim divine inspiration, these somewhat deranged stories may be helpful for some of you. And if not helpful, then maybe they will at least be enjoyable. Now, if I'm going to tell deranged Bible stories, then it seems reasonable to begin at the beginning. This story is based on the first part of the creation narrative in the book of Genesis. Here is deranged thought number one. Since, according to the story in Genesis, God created everything, then God had to be around before anything else was created. And since God is God, and God is in relationship with everything both before and after the creation, what was God in relationship with before the creation, and why did God decide to create in the first place? In the beginning. In the beginning, there was God, and there was the existential endlessness of cosmic non-existence. No, that's not right. That's far too esoteric. In the beginning, there was God. And there was the reality of transcendental non existence and non being. No, that's not it either. In the beginning, there was God. And there was nothing. Ah, oh, yes, that's it. In the beginning, there was God and there was nothing. So, in the beginning, God was the God of nothing, which, by the way, cannot be very satisfying even if you are God. So after considerable thought and meditation, God spoke to nothing in particular, saying, What a bore this is! Nothing here, nothing there, nothing as far as the eye of God can see, which is pretty far, by the way. Having said this, God stopped and thought again. Because, after all, there wasn't much else to do. And then God spoke again, saying, Nothing is all right, but a little bit of it goes a long way. There has to be something more to be in God than this. And suddenly there was a voice which said, There is! All you have to do is get rid of the nothing. Who said that? You did. Oh, oh no, I didn't. You did. Right, that's what I said. You did. No. I didn't, you did. Right, you did. What? Who? I don't know. Third base. Which is how the doctrine of the Trinity came to be. But that's another story altogether. So after breathing deeply for a while, God said cautiously, So where were we? We were talking about getting rid of nothing. Why? Because getting rid of nothing is what being God is all about. Oh, so how do we do it? We create something. Of course, create something. Why didn't I think of that? You did think of that. Let's not start that again. So, God quit talking and got to work. God thought for a while and decided that light would be the best thing to create first. You know, when you are the God of nothing and there is nothing to see, you don't really need light. But when you are creating something, even if you are God, you need to see what you're doing. So God said, Let there be light. And there was. And it was really bright. Really, really bright. And now there was really, really bright light. And there was nothing. And God said, Light is good, but it's a little much all by itself. So God mixed it with a little darkness, and before it was all done, God had created day and night, and time had begun. Then God made the heavens and the earth. God looked at them. That's nice. It's a lot better than nothing. But it still needs something. Next, God made the plants and the trees that grow on the earth. And God looked at them, too. That's very good. But it still needs something. Then God made animals and fish and birds and bugs and all kinds of stuff like that. And when it was all done, God walked around and looked at everything that had been made and said, Oh, wow, this is so much better than nothing. Oh, do I do good work or what? But it still needs something. So God sat down in the shade on the side of a hill by a great wide river. After all. If you've made everything, you can pretty much sit wherever you want. So God sat and began to think again. While sitting there thinking and wiggling the divine toes in the mud, suddenly God had a great idea. God reached down and got a handful of mud and shaped it and fashioned it and made it into something completely unlike anything else that had been created so far. Then God took the thing and held it up and breathed into it. As soon as this happened, the thing came to life, and God looked at it and said, Now, this is something. At last, I am the God of something. And God was pleased, very pleased. Actually, God was ecstatic, overjoyed, rapturous, elated, and so excited that the only thing to do was to make another one of these terrific things. The second one was a little different than the first. It looked better, and it was softer and prettier and shaped with more curves and less harsh angles. But this is understandable since second models almost always come out with improvements. At this point, God was beyond pleased. In fact, God was in love with these new things. So much in love that they were given names. Isn't that usually the first thing that someone does with someone or something that they love? The first one was named Adam, and the second one Eve. And when they were both together, God called them humans. So God took Adam and Eve by the hand and led them to the very best place that had been made. It was a beautiful little garden community called Eden. It was a place that had everything Adam and Eve could want. Great weather. Nice lawns, easy access to shopping, you name it, Eden had it. After showing them around the garden, God sat down with Adam and Eve and said, Now all of this is yours. No down payment, no monthly payment, no charge at all. I'm giving it to you absolutely free. Move in today and start enjoying life and be happy. It wouldn't break my heart if you did a little gardening now and then. But whatever you do, just don't eat any of the fruit from that tree over there on your left. That's the knowledge of good and evil tree. Eat that fruit, and you are out of this garden in a heartbeat. And besides that, your heart will quit beating permanently. I hope you get my drift. Adam and Eve smiled at each other. And then they smiled at God and said, We think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, which made God happy. And it made Adam and Eve happy, too. So that's how it was in the Garden of Eden. Life was perfect. At least, that's how it all started, in the beginning. Well, that was a different take on the creation story, wasn't it? But what's the point? What is the nitty gritty rubber hits the road spiritual concept that is supposed to be helpful? The point is that we human beings are the most unique part of the creation. That doesn't make us any better or worse than the rest of creation, but it does make us different. Even the original story in Genesis says that human beings are created in God's image. It doesn't say that about anything else. The truth is, that no one really knows exactly what that means. But it has something to do with humanity having attributes that nothing else in the creation has. Our uniqueness seems to be related to the concept that we are the only part of creation, as far as anybody knows, that can relate, communicate with, love, and be in relationship with God directly. This suggests that at least in the areas of love and relationship, we share some similarity to God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we are God-like because there is certainly no argument that in most areas of life we are about as far from being like God as anything in the universe can get. But at the core of my theory of human uniqueness is the idea that God's creative process was searching for something. Something which would bring God satisfaction and fulfillment. Light, land, water, vegetation, and animal life were just not enough. God needed something else to be added to make the creation satisfying. So, when God created us, the creation was finished. God had found the something that God was looking for. According to the story, nothing more is created after us. We are the something God could love, and that could love God in return. And we are the something that could choose not to love God as well. And that free will ability to choose love may very well be what being made in the image of God is all about, and what God was after all along. So if that is true, then our purpose in life is primarily to choose loving relationship with God and each other and to live in life-giving relationships. That's the point. I am convinced that more than anything else, love and relationship are all that ultimately can bring us satisfaction and fulfillment in life. But I have to wonder, what happened after the creation process was completed? Why are we human beings who have such godlike loving potential so inept at actually loving and caring for anyone or anything except ourselves? Is human selfishness and the misguided notion that love is about what you stand to get out of a relationship rather than what you have to give some kind of a flaw? Or is it an imperfection in the creative design? I honestly don't know. But as the deranged creation story continues in podcast number two of this series, maybe it will shed some light on the answer to that question. <laughs>